Okay, Acts chapter 1. The former treatise I have made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard of me, for truly John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power... Um, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the other, uttermost parts, uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Okay. That is the beginning. It's kind of like the introduction. Who wrote the book of Acts? Anybody know without me telling you? Luke. Luke. Yes, that's right. Acts is actually the Gospel of Luke, Volume 2. Really. Uh, If you look at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, he writes it to, O most excellent Theophilus, you know, I've labored to make an orderly account of everything that Jesus did. And and then here at the beginning of Acts, you see the same thing. The former treatise I have made, O Theophilus, what was the former treatise? The Gospel of Luke. Luke. That's right. Now, Acts, as we we go to look at the book of Acts... um, in this, like, in, I'm looking at this Bible here. It says the Acts of the Apostles. Does y'all say that? Some of them do, some of them don't. Some of them just say the Book of Acts. Um, but actually, he says, I, I made an account of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. What does that little word began make you think of? What does it tell you about this book we're about to read? The former treatise is what Jesus began to do and teach. What is this treatise? They're going to continue it on. It's all, it's, it's it's, it's the works of Jesus that he's doing in teaching continue. Uh, so a, a more accurate title would be, it's actually the ministry of Jesus that's continuing in the book of Acts. So when we read the book of Acts, it is Jesus's ministry that's continuing. It's Jesus that is uh, still doing and teaching. The difference now is, hey, baby. I was gonna say I was gonna say Dana. I was gonna say Dana, but then I said baby instead. Uh, the it should be called it should be the acts of Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit through the apostles. Now, that's nobody's gonna title it that. It's too long. But what we're gonna see here is what we're gonna see through the book of Acts is that Jesus is still working. We're going to see that, you know, he spent 40 days preaching them the kingdom of God. Uh, the Verses 1 through 5 
is just like a little introduction. It says he showed himself alive. That it's summarizing the book of Luke, really. And he summarizes it in, first, in, in the first five verses. He says that the former things was everything that Jesus began to do and teach. And it, it covered until the day that he was taken up, which is the ascension. We'll see that in a moment. Um, he gave his commands to the apostles that he chosen. We saw that's in the gospel of Luke. And he showed himself alive after his passion. The passion is the sufferings uh, by infallible proofs. He was seen of 40 days and he spoke of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Acts is going to be the fulfillment of the kingdom of God moving out into the world. Um, that is going to be the theme. So think of it this way. In the Old Testament, if you wanted to be part of God's kingdom, you had to come to Jerusalem. You had to come to Jerusalem. You had to come to the temple. You had to come be Jewish. Well, what we're going to see here in the outline of the book is from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and then to the uttermost ends of the earth. Uh, What we're going to see is the kingdom is not located in Jerusalem per se anymore. Now it's spreading out. It's You could say it's conquering the world. It's going out from Jerusalem and conquering the world. And so Jesus spent those 40 days. He appeared, you know, alive after his resurrection for 40 days uh, to his disciples. And that whole time he was teaching them about the kingdom of God. And that kingdom of God is the gospel. It's how we come into the, uh, you know, the, the rulership of God. I've told the story before about the kingdom. A kingdom is anywhere. My kingdom is anywhere that my rule and my reign is supreme. You know, so my kingdom is really small these days. Uh, but uh, God's kingdom is when we, when, we come under his, when we come under his rule, when we come under his reign. And in a sense, the whole universe is God's kingdom and it always has been, always will be. But what we're talking about here is sinful hearts of men uh, turning from rebellion and submitting themselves to God. Does that make sense? Y'all with me? Any questions? All right. So what we're going to see is that the, the kingdom is going to be, is, is going to be a, a big issue throughout the, throughout the gospel, uh, throughout the, the book of Acts. Um, he told them to wait in Jerusalem for the promise. That was in Luke 24, 49. I wrote all these down so I could read them to you. It says, and behold, I send, this is Luke 24, 49. And behold, I send the promise of my father unto you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power. And so they, it, it connects. They, they understood, the disciples understood when Jesus said that you're going to be endued with power, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. They understood this as the fulfillment of the kingdom of God. Uh, in verse 6, they said, when they, for, when they were therefore come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? You think they were misunderstanding? Or did they have it? Was that a good question? Was it a right question to ask? And he corrects them and says, you, you don't worry about that. That's not your business. This is what you're going to do. But just for our discussion, was it, was it the right question to ask? Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Well, what do you think they were asking when they asked it? Because they thought he was going to come in and reign, take over, like a military. Just like before he was crucified, they asked him kind of the same question. Yeah. Looking for that ruler. They were expecting a once for all 
wipe everybody off the face of the map, make Israel the center of God's kingdom again, new earth, new all that, huh? Get rid of the Romans. They were expecting all that to happen, and they associated that with the kingdom of God. And there are, I'm a, I'm gonna, there's going to be a lot of things in the book of Acts. I'm going to tell you this is, there's more than one viewpoint, but I'll make sure I let you know what I think. And of course, I'll always be right, but, uh, yeah. but there are some people that think that, I think the question was uh, their misunderstanding, yes. Oh, I, I thought the question was not necessarily uh, wrong. Because it had been such ingrained into their thinking. Right, that's true. But, you know, it's like you say, you know, correct me if I'm wrong because I'm thinking this way, you know, and they wanted just to make sure that, because that, he's told them before, obviously. Yeah. So just making sure that this is. Yeah, what? And it's very possible that they it was it was a right question to ask because for them forty days, remember he had been talking about the kingdom of God. And that's what he was teaching: the kingdom of God, kingdom of God, kingdom of God. And we're going to see here in a moment that all the prophecies of the Old Testament, the Isaiah prophecies about the coming of the kingdom and the coming of the Spirit, are going to be fulfilled at this time. Uh, they're going to learn that in a moment. But they had been raised thinking, I mean, their whole culture, their whole society was all about, now when the Messiah comes, it's going to be some name taking and butt kicking going on right here. You know, it's going to be, he's going to get rid of all these people and we're going to be, you know, set up in the temple, you know, thrones, going to rule the world over this. And that's what they had always known. So Jesus comes teaching them, hey, the kingdom of God has come. Uh, the kingdom of God has come upon you. It's, it's here. This is what it's going to be. And so all of a sudden their minds, their minds had always put the two together. When the spirit comes, that's when the kingdom comes. And so if the spirit's coming, he says, you know, you, I told y'all to wait in Jerusalem for the promise. It's going to be coming. And they said, well, does that mean now you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Uh, the two just seem to go together if you were a Jewish man. And so Jesus corrects them, of course. He says, uh, you don't worry about the things that uh, the father has in his own in his own time. Now, a lot of people take that to mean. Uh, let me just put it this way. I'll put it this way. You know, from our study of Romans, from our study of Galatians, from our study of the New Testament in general, that Israel, God's Israel is made up of both Jew and Gentile. It's made up of everyone who is in Christ Jesus now. And so they were still thinking in terms of ethnic Israel. They were still thinking in terms of this people group here. You're going to restore it to this people group. When Jesus' plan was not that, hey, the kingdom of God is here in Jerusalem. And this is where his plan was that they were going to go out all over to the ends of the earth. And all the Gentiles would get to be brought into the kingdom of God. And God's gospel, God's kingdom, God's salvation would go to the ends of the earth. You see the distinction? They were still thinking in terms of this one ethnic people group over here, these Jewish people. You're going to restore the kingdom here to these people. And in a sense it was because it came to the Jewish people first 
And most of them rejected, you know, really the whole early church was Jewish. So you can't say they all rejected, but most of them rejected. But the whole, the remnant is what's called the remnant. It, it received, that's the apostles and the disciples. And we're going to see 120 people gathered in the upper room here in the next chapter and all those. There were a lot of people that received it, but the kingdom of God was, it came, it was inaugurated. You know, the difference between inaugurated and consummated. That's the two terms they use. It began in the coming of the Holy Spirit. And now it's going forth with power. And there's going to come a day when it's consummated and made perfect. Does that make sense? Are you all with me? So they were expecting the kingdom to come all at once. Bang! There it is. Kingdom. And it's ruling and the world has changed. That's not how the kingdom has come. The kingdom came... Uh, in the same way that the curse came. The curse came first spiritually. They said, Adam, when you eat of this fruit, you'll die. And when he ate it, he did die. He died in his relationship with God. He was, he was you know, separated from God. And then later on, of course, he physically died. And that's the same way the kingdom's come. The kingdom has come to give you life. It's, came to, it's come to give you spiritual life. And it's going to go out through all the ends of the earth and give spiritual life to whoever will come and trust in Christ. And, go. and then there's going to come a day when everything is made perfect and you'll have eternal life. Uh, it's probably not the best way to put it because you do have eternal life now. But you understand what I mean, right? When I say you'll have perfected, perfected life, never to die again. Does that make sense? Consummated. consummated. Yeah, that's my, I like that word. Right, yeah, that's right. Right now we're with Christ spiritually, but there's going to come a day we'll be with Christ physically. Okay, that makes sense? And so the question they asked, it, it kind of misunderstood the point, but there is going to come a day when the kingdom will completely and fully and perfectly be restored. Does that make sense? They were, in, in a sense, they were off track, but in a sense, they, they had the right idea too. It's just not ethnic Israel that is Israel. We saw that in Romans. Well, the Jewish people were earthly people, from what I read and understood. And they were talking about the restoration in an earthly sense instead of a spiritual sense. Oh, yeah, that's true. They wanted it right then. Like you said, kick the Romans out. But he tells them that's not their concern. And what I'm going to do in for the rest of this chapter, the rest of these, you know, four or five verses, is I'm going to show you how everything in Acts, we're going to see this over and over and over again. Everything that goes on in Acts is going to be a fulfillment of kingdom prophecies that are in the Old Testament. Uh, we're going to see that when... One of my favorite things to do is to show people and to learn myself how the Bible is all tied together. The things in Acts, the things in the Gospels, the things in the Epistles, they are all tied back to what was foretold in the Old Testament. They're all tied back. It's one big, huge story. So he says, you're not supposed to be worrying about the times and the seasons that the Father has under his control. What are you supposed to be doing? That's a question. Huh? Spreading the gospel. It says you're going to receive what? Power. Power. 
How would you receive power? When the Holy Spirit is poured out. That is going to be, and we'll see that in, in chapter 2. Of course, you know the story, Pentecost and the mighty rushing wind, tongues of fire and all that. Um, that's a fulfillment of Isaiah 32, 15. I'm going to just read these to you. If you want to write down the reference, that's fine. I was going to pass them out or whatever, but it's just too many. Isaiah 32, 15 says, Because the palaces shall be forsaken, the multitude of the city shall be left, the forts and towers shall be dens forever. It's talking about destruction, uh, pasture of flocks, until the Spirit be poured out upon us from on high, and the wilderness be a fruitful field, and the fruitful field be counted for a forest. So that Isaiah passage is saying, it's going to be judgment, 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 until the Spirit is poured out upon us from on high, then it's going to be rejoicing. It's going to be kingdom. And so they knew when he said, when, when Jesus said, you go to Jerusalem and you wait for the spirit to be coming. They're thinking that's prophesied. That's the kingdom's coming. I mean, it was judgment, 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 judgment. Then the spirit gets poured out and then it's going to be rejoicing. They're thinking in their mind, the kingdom's coming. And he said, you don't worry about this. You just go and you just go and you wait. You're going to receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you're going to receive power to do what? It's very important to be a witness, to be a witness. A lot of people take this passage and say, well, the power is some kind of... Force. Yes, the like, yes, like a Star Wars force, you know. The power that you receive... Now, there's a lot of things come with the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying this is just the only deal. But everything that you receive from the Holy Spirit, as it gifts you, as it infills you, as it is for you to be a witness for Christ. That's what it's for. Your gifts, your talents, your empowering, your whatever that you have, it is used to be a witness for Christ. It's used to uh, edify the brethren. It's used to go and spread the gospel. That's what it's used for. And the, this is to be a witness for Christ. It fulfills Isaiah 43.10 where God said, You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. That's Isaiah 43. Now if God said... God the Father said in that Old Testament passage, you will be my witnesses because before me there was no God and after me there was no God. Is it? You think it's instructive? You think it's uh, strange that Jesus here says you'll be my witnesses? I mean, does it, if it clicks, the, the, I mean, what I'm saying is Jesus is claiming to be deity right here, isn't he? He's claiming to be God. He's claiming to be Yahweh of the Old Testament. You know, Jehovah. He's claiming to be divine. He's saying you're you're going to receive this power that you've all heard about. This this Holy Spirit that's going to be poured out upon you. The kingdom's going to come and they've all heard, they've all been raised. They've all raised in this culture hearing these prophecies, hearing these, you know, what's going to be when Israel gets their, you know, deal back and we're not oppressed anymore. They all knew all about these things. They were ingrained in that culture. And then all of a sudden, here comes Jesus and he says, look, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. It's going to come upon you and you're going to receive power and you're going to be my witnesses. And the whole time they're thinking in the Old Testament is that 
same passage that God said, there's no God before me, there's no God after me. He says, you're going to be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit... And here's Jesus saying, you're going to be my witnesses. He's claiming to be the God of the Old Testament. He's claiming to be, you know, Father, we know Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Makes sense? You all understand? Didn't they know that at that point, though? What? I think so, yes, absolutely. But what, I, what I'm saying, the, the reason I bring it up and the reason I make such a big deal out of it is because he is, he is applying the kingdom prophecy. You know, this is the, these are the things that they're looking back to and they're hoping for and waiting for. He's applying them to right now as I'm standing on the Mount of Olives with these you know, 11 guys now uh, around me, you know, he's applying them to that time in history. He's applying, he's saying, now this is being fulfilled. Does that make sense? Like a lot of people read a lot of, and there are Old, Te- Old Testament prophecies that talk about the end. Uh, but a lot of people r- read way too off, far to the right saying uh, that, that all these things are waiting for this time in the past when we're going to see clearly that Jesus and the apostles, uh, especially in Acts, believed that the, the coming of those promises, the coming of those prophecies, the fulfillment of those prophecies was taking place right then and there. Uh, Peter stands up in Acts chapter 2 and he says, you know, when they all start speaking in different languages and the tongues of fire come down, Peter stands up and he says, no, we're, they say these guys are drunk. Peter says, no, we're not drunk. He says, this right here is that that you've read about in Joel chapter 2 where it says there'll be earthquakes and, yeah. and all that. He, he, he doesn't say this is the, you know, this is the beginnings of something. He said, this is that. This is, this is the fulfillment right here. What you're seeing, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, the, the, the gospel going forth. All the, This is the fulfillment of those things. And so Jesus is fulfilling... Jesus is fulfilling the prophecy as he ascends into heaven and the Holy Spirit descends and infills his people and the gospel goes forth and the kingdom is spread all over the earth. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Y'all with me? Yeah. Is that too convoluted or too confusing? Too boring? Everybody good? Any questions? No? Okay. Good. I just feel like I'm rambling. Okay. One last thing about the witness thing. In Isaiah 41 through 45, those chapters, when he says, you're going to be my witnesses, God, God is bringing forth a lawsuit. If you read those chapters, you'd read a lawsuit. He's, he's bringing a lawsuit against, it's a covenant lawsuit against all the idols. You know, the, peop, the idols of the people, the false gods and all those kind of things. And he summons witnesses. He summons the creation to witness for him. He summons the heavens and the earth and all those things. And one of the things that he does is he summons his people as a witness for him. But there's a problem. There's a problem in that his people are blind. And I don't know if you've ever had to have, you ever tried to have a blind eyewitness, but it usually doesn't work very good. Uh, so his people are blind. He says, I'm going to just read these verses to you. In uh, Isaiah 42, 18 and 19, he says, Hear ye deaf and look ye blind that you may see who is blind but my servant. He said, my servant's blind. And deaf as my messenger that I sent. My messenger is deaf. And so there's a problem. He's calling his people to be his witnesses in the Old Testament, Isaiah. But there's a problem. They're all blind and deaf. You know, they're all following after false gods. They're all doing whatever they want to do. You know, and this is where judgment comes in. But the solution he gives in Isaiah 42 is that uh, that he will, I'm not going to read anymore. 
He will, he will pour out his spirit upon He says, look, I'm going to cure you from being blind. I'm going to cure you from being deaf. I'm going to make you my witnesses by pouring out my spirit upon you. And I'm going to cure you of this. And this is the fulfillment here in Acts. He says, I'm going to make you my witnesses. And so Jesus says, you'll receive power when you come, when you, uh, uh, when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. See, all this is going through their mind. They're realizing this is the fulfillment of all of those prophecies. We always known that God was going to, in Isaiah 42, he says, I'm going to make you my witnesses. I'm going to send you out and be a light to the Gentiles. Uh, the kingdom has always been about going out and being the salvation of the world. And now that's being fulfilled as the Holy Spirit is going to descend on them. It makes sense? No questions. Somebody say something. Something. Uh-huh. I got it. All right. You shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost is coming. You shall be my witnesses. Where are you going to be witnesses at? The uttermost parts of the earth. The uttermost parts of the earth. That's right. This is this is an outline of the book of Acts. So if you want to you want to if you want to outline the book of Acts, that's it. Chapters one through seven are going to show us about the gospel in Jerusalem. That's all. That's what they're going to show us, and they focus on Peter and Stephen in Acts chapters one through seven. Okay, chapters 8 through 12 are going to focus on the gospel in Judea and Samaria. And it's going to focus on Peter and Philip. And during that time, Saul is going to be converted, you know, knocked off his donkey and all that kind of stuff. What happened to his donkey? He got knocked off his donkey. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, okay, never mind. He got, okay, never mind. I'm not going to say all right, and then chapters 13 through 28 is the gospel going to the ends of the earth. And that focuses on Paul going to Rome. And once, once the gospel hits Rome, that's like, I mean, that's like dropping an infection in a population. It's probably not a great example, but it's like, it's like I mean, once it hit, you ever heard that saying, all roads lead to Rome? It's because Rome had built roads and highways and they were just, you know, they were going everywhere. There was, you could get to anywhere in the world from Rome. There was highways and ships and all. So once the gospel hit Rome, it went everywhere. And so he says, you're going to go, you're going to be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, that's chapters 1 through 7, Judea, Samaria, that's chapter Chapters 8 through 12, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's chapters 13 through 28. Interestingly enough, who was the apostle to the Gentiles who claimed to be the apostle to the Gentiles? Paul. Paul did. Who was the first apostle to actually convert a Gentile? Peter, that's exactly right. See, y'all got it going on. Peter was the first one. We're going to see that in Acts chapter 10. Okay. He said, you're going to go, the gospel's going to go, the kingdom's going to go to the uttermost parts of the world. Interestingly enough, that's exactly what Isaiah 49 says. It says, Isaiah 49, 6 says, And he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldst be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou may be my salvation to the uttermost parts of the earth. 
in Isaiah 49. And interestingly enough, Paul quotes this exact verse, Isaiah 49, 6, in Acts chapter 13. So I'm trying to just give you the whole picture of what we're going to be seeing through Acts. We're going to see the kingdom of God moving. It's going to be the fulfillment of all the things that we've seen in the Old Testament. And then uh, in, in verses 9 through 11 is the ascension. Why don't we give, you ever give much thought to the ascension? We're always talking about the death. We're always talking about the burial. We're always talking about the resurrection. You think the ascension is important? Why is it important? And I'm not looking for no specific answer. There are many reasons why it's important. Just what do you think? Why, why do you think the ascension is important? It's when he sent the Holy Spirit. Well, it was 10 days after the ascension. But yeah, he did say, if I don't go away, uh, the Holy Spirit won't come. So that is a reason why it's important. Yes. While he was on the cross, God turned his back on him because he could not look upon the sins of the world. But once he was received back into heaven, he was made perfect. He was given, you know, the, a glorious body. He was made whole and he was received. That's, yes. I think that when you when he was received into the cloud, it was a sign that, that the Father had accepted his sacrifice and accepted his mission. It's the coolest thing ever. I mean, he's got to oh. Yeah, it was like, peace, see y'all. He had to go back to stand in for us. Huh? He had to go back to stand in for us. When the to intercede when, us. When Satan says, look what she just did, he says, she's mine. Yeah, he's interceding for us. That's right. That's right. Interestingly enough, I've said that a few times today. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, I was thinking that importance because of, you know, the evidence, you know, he came from God and then he's going back to God in such a way that's never been seen before. Yeah, that, exactly. I, all those ex- perfect answers. That's right. See, we're, we're going to talk about that too. Daniel chapter 7. He fulfilled prophecy by ascending. Yes. And why in the first part does the guy know why you stand here amazed? I mean, of course you're going to stand here amazed. It seems like a silly question. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't got nothing. I ain't got nothing for you. Yes, that's my answer. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, what if? What if? No, it was. I understand what you're saying. We're going to talk about that. It was. It, it's not really a silly question. It is. No, it's not really a silly question. Because he told them to do something, and instead of doing it, they were just, uh, you know. I, I, I'm thinking they might have thought, hey, he might come back here. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, but what would have happened? It said that if you, we, we read the end of the Gospels, Jesus appeared, you know, in certain spots, and he would teach them, and then he would disappear. And then he would show up while they were in the room, and he would talk to them, and then he would be gone. Uh, what happened if one day he just stopped showing up? Do you think that they would be focused on their mission? You think they would be focused on understanding what this kingdom meant? What all this? If 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 they did not witness him ascend into heaven, they'd always be thinking, "Hey, he might show up again." You know, when he ascended, they knew he was gone. They knew he was gone. And what I what I think is really cool is that he ascended both body and spirit, mm-hmm. body and soul. He was. He was not just, uh, when he was resurrected, he was a physical body. He wasn't just like a spirit floating around going, ooh, I'm Jesus, you know. He was like, 
He said, touch my, touch my the nail prints. He said, a, a, a spirit doesn't have flesh and bone as you see that I have. And so he was a real physical person, but he ascended to heaven in both his physical body as well as Christ. That makes sense? So right now in heaven, hold on. Right now in heaven, he is still all God and all man. Does that make sense? And so today, when if I died right now and I stood before him and I went to heaven, I would see Jesus as he was then. All God, all man. He didn't, there's a guy at the hospital I always argue with. He, he said that Jesus went back to being, you know, the, just the... Whatever, all spirit. You know, he's not physical anymore. I'm like, no, no. He, he ascended, and he's going to return physically, just like he said. And so, uh, what was I? Oh yeah. What's so cool about that is you think about. What somebody once asked me. Oh, I got to hurry up. Somebody once asked me, God didn't really give up nothing to save us. He said because because. He sent his son knowing that, yes, his son would die, but he knew that his son would rise, and now the son is back with the father. So really, he ain't lost nothing. I mean, he, he started out being with the father, and now he's back with the father. So if he knew that that was going to be the case, then he really didn't lose nothing. That's, well, he's not stuck, but he chose to take on... You see the difference now that it was before then? Before then, the second person of the Trinity appeared. You know, he was the pillar of cloud. He was the pillar of fire. He was the, the burning bush. He was, you know, all those things in the Old Testament. He, and then he chose to take on human flesh. And today and forever, for the rest of eternity, he will be in flesh. He will be all God, all man. So he he gave up a lot, didn't he? He gave up a whole bunch. He gave up, I mean, he's still deity, he's still God, he's still everything that makes up God, but he took on the form of a man, and he is in that form for the rest of eternity. So he gave up a whole bunch, and he ascended, when he ascended into heaven, he ascended body and soul, body and spirit. And when he, the angels, the two witnesses, when they came, they said, this same Jesus, in the same way, will return to you both body and spirit. It'll be a physical coming, a real coming, and it'll be a coming that will be public and personal. It won't be no secret, you know, I ain't getting into all that. Did you have a question? It can wait, so it wasn't important? I didn't say that wasn't important. Oh, okay. All questions are All well, yes, okay, we'll go with that. All right, the Daniel passage... His ascension was a fulfillment of Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Now, let me read it to you. Listen. It says, this is Daniel speaking. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days. Who's the Ancient of Days? The Father. And they brought him near before him, and there was given him dominion, and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Do you see the fulfillment? That was the that was one like a son of man coming before the ancient of days and receiving a kingdom. You know what Jesus said? What did Jesus say right before he ascended into heaven? 
I'll be back. <laughs> this is back. I'll be back. I'll be back. He said it. That they would receive the power. Yes, he said, all power and authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. And then he told them, you know, go, go ye therefore and go ye therefore and make disciples of all the nations. So you see, this is the fulfillment. This is what Daniel saw. When Daniel said, I saw one like a son of man coming before the ancient of days and there was given to him a kingdom and power and his kingdom will never be destroyed. This is what Daniel saw. He saw Jesus ascending into heaven in the clouds and being given this kingdom, this authority, this dominion. Jesus humbled himself, became like a servant, became in in, in the form of a man. He humbled himself uh, to become like us and because of his perfect life and death and, and burial and resurrection, God the Father exalted him and to give him a name that was above all other names at the name of Jesus. You know, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. But this is what Daniel saw. I can imagine Daniel thinking when, when, he's, when he's talking about son of man, he's talking about like a man. You know, son of man is a title for, for deity, is a title for Messiah. But here he's, it's a strange vision because I saw like a son of man, I saw like a man coming to the throne in the clouds of heaven and the ancient of days has given him dominion and given him a kingdom. You can imagine what kind of a strange prophecy that he was seeing, but this is the fulfillment of it. Jesus was lifted up into the cloud, which is a symbol of God's presence all through the Old Testament and he is given the kingdom and he told his disciples, he said, you're going to go and you're going to be my witnesses. And of course, they're standing there and they're gazing up into heaven and then what happens? What happens after that? Last verse. While they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went, two men stood by them in white apparel. And they said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you in heaven, shall come again in a like manner, in the same way that you've seen him go into heaven. Why do you think it was two witnesses? The Old Testament requires that anything be established by two witnesses. And and Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, at the resurrection, when Mary came to the tomb, what happened? What did she see? She saw, yeah, Luke records the two men in white in the tomb going, hey, what are you doing? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? And here we see the same two in white in the next section of of Luke's work and they're saying what are y'all doing just looking up in the sky he said he's going to come back you need to be doing what he told you to do and the, the whole point for this for us and we've got to go I know is he's called you and I to be witnesses to be his witnesses a lot of times that gets obscured today 